Thank you. Come on. Thank you, Nick. Cool. Cool. Do you know, I, the only person I really know well here is Olaf, which is really unusual for me. I've been around a really, really long time because I'm so old. Okay, so my name's Andy Phillips. Um, I'm from Open Door Church in Sunbury. Um, we, a few years ago, got a prophetic word about if you go for the lowest in society, I will give you the... the if I, you go for the people everybody doesn't want, I'll give you all the people pe- people do want. Yeah? It was a word that was given to Citygate, and we've taken it as our own. Well, the Lord's fulfilled half his bargain. Hallelujah. And we're all full of addicts and broken single parents. And it's great. I love it. Um, and, you know, I love Sunbury. So thank you for inviting me. Um, cheers. A dangerous thing as well. So I, um, I talked to John. And John sent me an email and said, you've got a week of prayer. I said, okay, John, do you want me to teach on prayer? And he said, oh, no, we've had loads of teaching on prayer beforehand. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, well, just pray and do whatever God gives you to bring. And I thought, oh, that's great, because I know nothing about Orton at all. So he, apart from Olaf, lives there. So there you go. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So please turn your Bibles to Ezra chapter 3. I thought what the guy said about, don't wait for Andrew Lawrence to come. Andrew Lawrence is rubbish, mate. (laughs) He really is. Jesus is marvellous. And he's never left. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, sorry. (laughs) Just thought I'd put that in. Just, Andrew, if you're listening to the tape, I like you really. Okay. Oh, there you go. This is the mighty Reading. Uh, Jesus obviously supports Reading. He's the king of kings, therefore he's a royal. Church is much described a bit like this. 22 men who desperately need some rest. Watched by 22,000 people who desperately need some exercise. Does that feel like church to you? So I was asked by John, just pray, brother, and see what the Lord leads you to speak on. And this is what the Lord has led me to speak on. Ezra chapter 3. Let's read from 1 to 13. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled as one man in Jerusalem. Then Joshua, son of Josadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and his associates, began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundations and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord both the morning and evening sacrifices. Then in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred feasts of the Lord, as well as those brought as free will offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, that the foundation of the Lord's temple had not been laid. Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters and gave food and drink and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. 
In the second month of the second year, after their arrival at the house of the God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, Jeshua, son of Josadak, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites and all who had returned from the captivity to Jerusalem, began the work, appointing Levites 20 years of age and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Jeshua and his sons and brothers and Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Hodaviah, and the sons of Henadad and their sons and brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working in the house of God. When the builders... Oh, I'm not very good at... Thank you. I always forget to do that. Well done. Sorry. When the builders laid the foundations of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praises and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good! His love to Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid while others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise. And the sound was heard far away. Would you pray after me, please? Father God, speak to my heart and change my life. For Jesus' glory's sake. Amen. Please turn to the person next to you and say, open up your ears, you need to hear this. Excellent. Ezra is not a story about the glory days of the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Ezra is about the Jews, those of the southern kingdom of Judah, coming back to Jerusalem after the exile and rebuilding their broken lives. Why look at this passage this morning? Well, because John told me to pray, and I did. Here was the pain of these believers experiencing the context they live in. These aren't the glory days of the Davidic kingdom. When Israel, one nation, had the Solomon, uh, the wisdom of Solomon and this great empire that they built. This was a few humiliated Jews returning to what was now a ghost city destroyed by their enemies. Imagine what it would have been like for people who had seen such that vast glory before to have returned to this burnt out city. Some of them have never, ever seen the glory of Jerusalem. It's been 70 years. Most of them have died. Some of you? Anyway. <laughs> I always say at the church in Sunbury, we've been around since 1792. You can tell because some of the original members are still there. <laughs> it was like a war zone, okay? Can you imagine London after the war? Have you seen pictures of Aleppo in Syria? This is what Jerusalem would have been like. Imagine a Jewish exile returning and exclaiming, if they'd seen it before, what has happened here? The priests had taught them about the history of Israel. They taught them about the glory of the God of, God of Israel, of Yahweh. They, God, they taught them about what the temple was like. And yet now they're seeing it, and there's humiliation, and there's desolation, but not despair. You see, in the context where God was not being worshipped, now they were beginning 
to build the temple. The temple being the focus of worship of God at that time. Now they're beginning to build the temple. Tim Keller, in his excellent book, Center Church, said this about the Western church right now. He said, we're in a season of winter where society is anti-Christian and increasingly dismissive and intolerant of Christians. And I would agree. The days are getting darker, friends. And as we look at this passage, we see lessons here for us as we're going forward in our mission in the light of the New Testament. Firstly, this, how did they build? Particularly looking at verses 7 to 13, if you've got your Bible open. Firstly, God put it on their heart to give to this work. Ezra chapter 3 verse 7 says that the the heart of the people were working for God. Their desire was to give to the work of God. Friends, give to the work of building Jesus' church. Only a church leader can stand up and say that. That's great. Give to the work of giving to Jesus' church. Um, uh, I'm now speaking on behalf of your elders as a fellow elder. I don't really know your elders, but I'll tell you something. They are so thankful to you for your giving and worshipping of Jesus by your money and what you've done to build this wonderful building. I heard it was good. I didn't realize how nice it was. I would have come sooner. You know, what a lovely building. It's so cool. You know, God, God loves it when people give generously. That's in the scriptures. Martin Luther said this, one of my favorite guys. He said this, a man needs two conversions, one of his heart and one of his wallet. That is so true. But you know, Martin Luther was deficient in his theology in this respect. He did not proclaim the theology of the chicken and pig. You see, a chicken and pig were walking down the road one day, as chicken and pigs do. And they saw this starving man by the side of the road. And the... uh, The chicken said to the pig, I tell you what we will do. We will get some of the fruit from that tree and feed it to this starving man. That would be a really kind thing to do. And the pig said, well, that's a bit of a problem because you're a chicken and you you can't fly. And I'm a pig. I've got like really short arms. I can't reach it. Okay. So the the chicken thought, here's an idea. Chicken, he had a bit of an idea thought. Think about this. He said, I'll tell you what. why uh, Why don't we go and get some corn from the field and we can get... Uh, we could go to the farmer's wife's oven and we could bake the guy a pie or a cake or something. And the pig had a bit of a, bit of a thought and he said, well, A, we don't have a bowl and B, like, <laughs> I don't really like the idea of either of us getting near the farmer's wife's oven. I've got a bit of an aversion to it. don't know about you. So, okay. So then the chicken had a thought for again. He said, I know what we can do. We can feed him ham and eggs. The pig said, that's all right for you, for you. Ham and eggs is a contribution. For me, it's total commitment. (laughs) Friends, I want to tell you something. Oink, oink, I am a pig. I know you're thinking, I can tell. (laughs) I'm a pig. I'm a pig because this. I want to give to Jesus' church more than anything else. I want to see the kingdom of God come through the local church, that's going to just have to hang off. You are not stay, stay on in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Give to the work of the church, friends. You know, above holidays abroad, above Jim subscriptions, don't be chickens. Oh, I'll give a little... Give! Oink, oink, oink. I wasn't asked to preach on this. I just, this is how the Holy Spirit led me. If you don't like it, then blame him. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. Each man should give... What he has decided in his 
hot to give, but not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a hilarious giver, says the Greek. He loves it when we give out of, oh, Jesus, you gave me everything I want to give to you. God is bothered. God is bothered about where you put your money. God is bothered. God is bothered about what's on your bank account. Don't fall into the trap that he isn't bothered. Secondly, will you serve hard in the local church? Because it is the bride of Christ. Given the darkness of the nations around what was going on with Ezra and the need for them to establish work of God and to lay the foundations of the temple, 14 months after the start of this chapter, some encouragement comes. Verse 8, Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, of the direct line of King David, and Jeshua, son of Jozadak, of the line of the high priests, and also many others, some priests and Levites, all who had returned from captivity to Jerusalem, join in the work. Appointing Levites 20 years of age and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Verse 9, everyone just marked in. It didn't matter uh, whether they were meant to be priests. They became bricklayers and cooks and mud carriers and latrine swillers. If any of you want to join me on, uh, on minor facilities at New Day, I'm the head of shower cleaning and toilet cleaning. Feel free to join this ministry of grace where you find out that most of the girls are related to Chewbacca out of Star Wars. There's so much hair left in the shower. Anyway. (laughs) So a few things to pick up from verse 8 and 9. Firstly, God gave the work uh, of God significant people. Zerubbabel of the line of David and Jeshua the high priest. I believe this. Again, you you told me to pray. I prayed. God's given you Andrew Lawrence. Hey, that's great. But God is going to give you significant people. Do you hear me? You've got to have faith for this, friends. God is going to give you significant people because he's got an amazing work to do here. You've done amazing things, but there's a more amazing future for Jesus, particularly as the times get darker. You know, you are going to have to shine brighter. And to do that, God is going to keep raising up the people here. He's going to give you some significant people too. Why? George Muller said, because God pays for what he orders. And he said he will build his church. And we have to have faith in that. Notice also, God gave young people with a passion for God. So, uh, I hope you don't mind this, but uh, 20-year-old 20-year Levite young men, men dedicated to the work of service. Hope you see that in the passage. 20-year-old Levites were doing what, whatever had to be done. That's what they were doing. God was giving the cream of young people to the building of the temple. It's so essential generational handover. Again, I could have preached on prayer. You told me to pray, and this is what I think God is saying. Young men, if you're not here, give it to someone who's got the tape. It's time to step up, okay? Young men at Alton, it's time to step up. When I first arrived at Sunbury, I was the youngest preacher at 38. Oh my, that was nine years ago. Um, it's not the worst I've ever been. I once preached age 19 at Croydon Evangelical Church. I gave an illustration from a singer called Elvis Presley and was criticised by one of the elders for bringing one of those new young rock stars into my sermon. I realised then, maybe, <laughs> you know, anyway, maybe they're a bit old, this poor, anyway. I want to challenge you. This term, we have three 20-year-olds preaching and a 19-year-old. Are they any good? No, mostly they're rubbish. (laughs) 
let's be honest. They're not, they're not great. But, but they're only going to get better by doing it. You know? Friends, we've got to give space to the next generation. We really do. We... You don't need to clap me. I'm sorry, Mr. Lawrence. You can blame me later. I know Andrew. He's a good friend of mine. I would say, actually, for those of you who are clapped, hallelujah. For those of you who are in your 20s, this is my challenge to you. When I was 19 years old, I knocked on my pastor's door. I told him, God had called me to lead, and what are you going to do about it? Some of you might know Doug Croucher. Actually, he was from here. I knocked on his door. I said, Doug, I want to lead a church. God's called me to lead it. What are you doing about it? What did he do? He taught me, to tra- he taught me but he made me serve. It's time for you to knock on your elder's door and say, train me. Give me some space to serve. Give me some responsibility to lead. That might mean you need to take charge of cleaning the toilets. That's fine. You hear what I'm saying? Because it's about serving. It's not always about getting the mic. But anyway, I'll leave that with you and God. Ezra 3. These people did, thirdly, whatever had to be done. You see, there were Levites, right? These are like leaders of the worship. What were they doing? They were building walls and laying foundations. They didn't say, oh, I possibly couldn't do that. I mean, I can't lay cement. I'm a Levite. You know, my, my speciality is the Levitical laws of nasal hair. I don't do cleaning or, or hoovering or children's work. I don't carry bricks. That's not my specialism. No, everyone that includes you, everyone, get stuck into the task. That's church life. Churches are grown when people firstly have a passion for God. Hear me? We've got to have a passion for God first. But they're also secondly grown when we have a passion for the church. That's for the people primarily, but also for the work that goes on within the church. You know, going back to my initial uh, football analogy, which, oh, forget it. I'm rubbish at this. You know, going back to the initial football analogy, we don't want to be a church where 22,000 people are sitting there watching 22 die early. (laughs) You know? Do we? We need to be involved in the work. That means, are you on a rotor at least once or twice? If not, please do. From setting up the PA to doing the accounts, from prophesying change to sweeping the floor, from baking a cake to really standing with people who are broken and lonely or going through bereavement, from you know, being involved in the mission of Jesus' church and getting out there. There's nothing like it. Oh, yeah, I did have that there. Look, I'm just rubbish with this. I went to, went to a co- once went to a conference by a guy called Bill Hybels. You've probably heard of this guy, Heads Up Willow Creek. And a lot of it was brilliant, and I just think that's really cool. I could never do that. You know, it's lovely dramas and brilliant music and everybody's just wonderful and summer is nothing's wonderful the PA doesn't work do you know what I'm saying it's, we're just normal <laughs> so I thought oh I'm never going to be like this guy but then he said one thing and this has stuck with me for the rest of my life he said this he just got a little video and it started off like this he said let me introduce you to Willow Creek and can you just imagine this with me? The f- different shots are panning up on the video. And it goes, um, Hi, my name's Bob, you know, and I lead the worship, and I'm part of everyone. And it goes, Hi, my 
name's Maisie, and I do the children's work, and I'm part of everyone. And hi, my name's Mac, and, and I clean up the car park, and I'm part of everyone. And, and hi, my name's Jack, and, and I do the sweeping, and I'm part of everyone. And hi, uh, my name's a, a steward, uh, you know, and, and I lead the partial work, and I'm part of everyone. And it just went on and on and on, just person after person after person after person. And then right at the end, Bill Heibel said this. He said, hi, my name's Bill. I lead the biggest church in America, and I have done for 30 years, and I am no one without everyone. And I sat there thinking, whoa, because that's church, isn't it? It's not about the bloke who's on the screen, whose name's on the book. Certainly not about Andrew Lawrence, do you mean? It's It's about you. It's about everyone. It's about every single person being motivated to do it in their generation. Acts 17 says this. It says that you were put, Acts 17, 26, at just the right time to be in just the right context to build Jesus' church right here, right now. If you think, well, should I be here? Let me tell you, you're here, so you should be. That's what the Bible says. I'm incredibly proud of everyone at Sunbury who works hard for Jesus. I really am. Because, friends, we're together on a mission for God. What are you doing with your life? Be part of everyone. And lastly, I just want to finish with this. (laughs) You're not used to such fat men with big heads. Stay on. Verse 10. When the builders laid the foundations of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and the trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols, took their places to praise the Lord. Please notice this firstly. God's way of celebrating worship is really loud. Okay, it is. Trumpets and cymbals, you know, all prescribed by the God, by David, king of Israel. It's declarative praise. I am known for being a little bit noisy. Someone once said to me, Andy, when we get to heaven, I'm going to pray that you're quiet for a thousand years. <laughs> and I said, well, that's a bit of a problem, because Revelation 5 verse 12 says that heaven's a now noisy place with symbols, and it's going to be deafening for a thousand years, so you better just go and, you know, I, re- I rebuke you in the name of the scriptures. Anyway... <laughs> You are, you are wrong. Verse 11, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang Psalm 118. He is good. His love endures forever. And the people did a great whisper of prayer. No, the people screamed and they shouted and they praised. Why? Because right in front of their eyes was God establishing a witness again for himself. Do you hear me? When they came in, they were broken people. But then right in front of their eyes, what they were building built faith in them. God, God built the foundation, but he built them through these people. And they then started to rejoice. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Good God is good. That's before the cross. Do you hear me? That's before the cross. When we hear people that are getting healed, yes, yes, God is good. When Jesus said, you know, I'm here, the kingdom of God has come. Friends, the kingdom of God has come. When you go to work, please tell them the kingdom of God has come. What you see as reality is wrong because Jesus has come and one day will come and fully bring it in. That's something we're getting excited about. 
very odd comment, Ezra 3 verse 12. Many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, that Solomon's temple, some beautiful temple, they wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. So picture this. you got young guys going, yes, hallelujah, woo we already heard about it, and now we're building the foundations of it. And we've got older guys going, this is really rubbish compared to the last one. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that's what was going on. When you read the Bible, that's what was going on if you read it. Some are laughing, some are crying, some are punching the air in praise, some are wailing aloud. Verse 13, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. In a mixed congregation, you will always have people who are on different journeys. And that's what was going on here. The younger men never seen Judah before. They'd never seen Jerusalem before. They never thought they'd ever see the foundation of the temple being laid. The older guys, they'd been there before. They'd seen what it was like. And they knew that this wasn't what it had been. And that's the same with the church. You see, in the church, we always have, we're always on a journey. Every single church is on a journey. And you know, some people are excited by all that has gone on. Uh, uh, some people feel as though, oh, we've blown it. Some people are saying, oh, you know, there was once a spirit of prophecy and everything that was going on under Solomon, and it was fantastic. Some are saying, how good is God? He's built the foundation of the temple. I never thought I'd see that. I used to live in this foreign land. I thought God say this. Two things first. Oh, no, that's not it. I'm no good at this. Firstly, this. Forget it. If you've never been in a church like this before, I don't know if you're new in here, because I don't know any of you apart from Olaf. <laughs> He's not new. The rest of you may be new. If you've never been in a church like this before, then hallelujah. Let me tell you this. This is a church that wants to build to New Testament principles and break into this community in Norton and around it believes in the power and the presence of God and the power in Jesus to save you from your sin, whether you're a believer or not a believer. If you're not a believer, then I'd love to talk to you afterwards about the cross. If you are a believer, then build here. Because these are good people with faith and heart and life. But if you're one of those people who've been running local church for a long time, and maybe you've seen the dizzy heights of Toronto Blessing or Stonely or other things that have gone on in the past, and now you're a little bit battered and bruised because maybe you were once the guy at the front, or maybe you were the person running the children's work, or maybe your cute kids have grown up and left, and it's not quite as it could be, and maybe some of your friends have left, and you're feeling a bit broken. Let me tell you this, build again. Build again. Please, build again. Because God wants to build here something so significant for his son. Maybe these are not the glory days, but they are never the morbid days in Jesus. In Jesus, there's always hope and always future. There's always something to have faith for and expectation for because he is the one that's building his church. He built it imperfectly only because we're involved. Do you hear me? And he rejoices that we are involved. Build again, friends. Build for his glory. Make him famous. Make him famous in Alton like I want to make him famous in Sunbury. Make him famous to the ends of the earth. And I... As I say, I was told, don't preach on prayer, so I didn't. So if this is, was a good word and it was right, then fine. And if it wasn't, it's okay, because Olaf's the only one that knows me. <laughs> Would you... I'm gonna be, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to be a bit cheeky. If you feel it is right for you to build again, 
Would you stand? Oh, that's a bit risky. Just raise your hands. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love the people that you've put in this church. We love the mission that you've given us to bring your kingdom through this church. Lord God, we are putting a memorial stone, an Ebenezer down now in our life. We're saying we want to build again for you. Lord, sometimes we can feel rejection, rightly or wrongly. Sometimes we can feel beaten up and bruised, rightly or wrongly. Sometimes we feel loss, the loss of people or loss in our own lives, rightly or wrongly. What we now choose to take all that emotion and give it to you and lay it before the cross and saying, because of what your great son has done, Lord God, we're not going to hang on to that. We're going to put it down. We're going to build an Ebenezer, a memorial stone, and say, from this day, we build again here at Harvest Church, in Al- Harvest Church in Alton for your glory, to bring your kingdom to a world that's getting increasingly darker, to people who are going to a lost eternity, the love of the Savior seen through us and our lives. And we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Help us to build again. We covenant to do this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you.